Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. My name is Bree. I'll be your host today, and I'm here with Bernardo from Barbell Practice LLC in Washington. What's up, Bernardo? How are you today? I'm pretty good. How about you, Bree? Doing well, thank you. We are excited to have you here today. Thanks for joining us. I'm excited and nervous, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to be nervous about. All right, let's jump right in. So what is it that made you want to start your own personal training business? Well, uh, let's see. So before the pandemic, I've been one of those guys that have been training people for, you know, six, seven years plus. Um, and then the pandemic hit and then, you know, everything closed. So I found that it was, well, before that, I decided that I want to go to physical therapy school, but I knew that being a trainer in-house and attending school at the same time was almost nearly impossible. So I tried to figure out how can I make money while working less and also reach out to a lot more people. So I decided to kind of build a hybrid program or a hybrid training facility. Um, so basically I, me, myself and my trainers, we take about five clients, five, well, we have about 30 to 40. I take about five in-person clients myself and then graduate them into an online program. Um, and I felt like that was the best um, opportunity for me during the pandemic to kind of scale that, that model that I wanted to scale. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So basically you are starting with clients in person and then yep. you just you transition them to the online space, which allows you to work with more people and exactly. be less hands on, not so much in the in the way of their programming and their training, but as far as spending time actually on the floor with people on a daily basis, because that exactly. can be limiting as far as growth goes, because there are only so many hours within a day. You know, you can only train so many people throughout the day exactly and i had a need you know going to physical therapy school i was like i need to make a little bit more revenue so when you're a trainer in-house it's kind of difficult to make that kind of money you want to make yes um, so scaling it to an online business was probably the best approach and i and i have not turned back since i love it it's probably yeah. one of the best things i've ever done definitely that's awesome because yeah it allows you to reach so many more people too you know zip codes exactly. don't become limitations with an online <laughs> <No>. business. <laughs> so, exactly, exactly. That's great. Okay, so you said that you're working with about 30 to 40 clients currently, right? As, as a whole, with between you as and you have guy. three other trainers? Exactly. Okay, okay. So 30 to 40 clients currently. So as far as getting new clients, how do you acquire new clients? Is it through any type of paid advertising, um, through Facebook, Google, Instagram, things of that nature? Or is it more word of mouth? How are you doing that? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, I'll tell you that my biggest challenge was figuring out how to actually reach more people to, to tell them about our service. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew that you know, I love training 100% of the time. I love talking to people. I love being in that present moment um but then i figured you know i'm spending my time training all the time how can i reach out to more people if i'm training all the time so then i reached out to some mentors and they have been helping me scale my business and taught me that um 80 of the time i need to be marketing right 20 yeah. of it i need to spend training 
Um, but I had to switch my mentality from, hey, I'm not a trainer anymore. I still am, but not a trainer to more of a marketer. So yes. how did I go about that process? I learned that I had to do more content creation, uh, more advertising, more um, spreading the word, you know, at local businesses, chiropractors, physical therapy facilities, hospitals, um, utilizing not only my past clients, but also my current clients to um, have a referral system in place, use my previous trainers. And I had, I actually had a lot more trainers in the past before the pandemic, but since the pandemic, you know, mm -hmm. I lost a lot of them. So I had to utilize my old trainers as well and my new trainers to, to reach out and spread the word. Um, we had a pretty good following at, before the pandemic. So it was, it wasn't too hard to launch, but I can see where it's difficult for a lot of people coming into that type of business and not having or moving state and not having that community already there. It, it is a challenge, but yeah, you have to switch your mentality from being a trainer to a marketer itself. And that's where it's kind of been a, a learning curve. So it's been fun learning that process. I'll tell you that yeah. tough headaches, stressful, but it's yes. it. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I mean, you come into the business because you love training and obviously you know how to train people, but not really thinking about the business side of things, you know, the client acquisition and client retention and scaling exactly. the actual business. You know, it, a lot of times I think that people come in, they have a pretty good client base and then they're like, okay, well I can do this, you know, like I can start my own training business and then you do, but how do you grow it from there? You know, and just because you have a client exactly. base doesn't mean that you're going to keep that client base either. You know, it keep it it requires work to maintain that client base as well. So, yeah, learning the marketing side of things, I think, is an even more useful tool than knowing how to actually train the people, you know, <laughs> because you exactly. can hire other people to train the people that you have, but if you don't know how to fish for yourself, essentially, and acquire new clients, then what do you have at the end of the day? You know, you don't have a business if you don't have clients. So I think that that's something is, it, it does get kind of clouded. You know, everybody's so focused on just the training aspect of it. And of course, again, that's why you started the business because you love to train people, you love to help people, you wanna help them change their lives, but, you constantly need to be putting yourself out there to build that client base and, and keep those clients coming to you. Because like I said, at the end of the day, if you don't have any clients, you don't have a business. Exactly. And I'll tell you what, it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. I mean, not knowing, well, I knew how to run the business side of things when it came to training, because I used to be one of the managers at one of the local gyms. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been there for about four years. Um, but learning how to actually do the opposite of, you know, running the business in the sense of, you know, sessions, costs, things of that nature, going into, okay, what does, what does a marketer really do? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that was, I mean, there was some nights where I probably stayed up late, pulling my hair out, trying to figure out how to, how to reach out to more people, you know, without spending too much money, because at the same time, you know, marketing does cost a lot of money. Sometimes. Yes, absolutely. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah, it can be a lot to take on, especially if you're doing like paid advertising through Facebook, you know, it's like setting up a funnel and making sure that everything is working yeah. correctly. And, you know, there are no broken links and that you're targeting correctly as far as your copy goes within your ad, but then also 
that you're targeting the right areas, the right zip codes. Like a lot of times it'll just open up to like the entire country. And it's like, you get flooded with leads, but you're in Rhode Island and that person is in California. If you have an in-person business, that's not gonna work obviously. But yeah. with that being said, with your online business, that allows you to help those people. So that's perfect. But there are so many ins and outs to the marketing game. I like to call it the marketing game. Um, but <laughs> there's so much to learn about it. And I think that a lot of times too, people just kind of get overwhelmed by it initially. And they're like, ah, oh, no, that's too much. It's going to cost me too much money. I don't know how to do it. I'm just not going to do it. And then they just rely on organic sources and just posting on social media, which is great. There's definitely a way to generate leads organically. However, it does not compare to the amount of leads that you can generate through paid advertising. It's a completely different exactly. ballgame. So exactly. well, um, we kind of set it upon ourselves to actually start off organically because we wanted to learn how to do ourselves before we actually started to pay somebody to do it. Because um, right. we wanted to understand how it worked. Because right? yes. if we can't do it organically, we'll never understand how the pay, how uh, the actual marketers, advertisers, or virtual assistants that we utilize actually do the work. Mm -hmm. um, so we started off in that manner so we can actually learn the ins and outs and actually grow slowly ourselves and then started to pay somebody to help us once we got the business up to where we wanted it to be right does that make sense yeah yeah of course definitely yeah starting on the slower side just to make sure that you've got all yeah. of your ducks in a row first before you just start flooding yourself with leads and like you said learning the process and knowing how to do it yourself is definitely an important piece there so as far as your membership structure goes so how do you structure your memberships do you offer like class packages do you offer a monthly subscription rate um are you month to month how does that work so we're just month to month or we do yearly um for the gym that we're currently at so it, it just depends if you want um because we also do regional there are some gyms that are in different states as well um, but I work at this location. So we typically do a cheaper version. Well, not cheaper, I would say. I would say if you pay for the full year, it's a little bit less than paying a month to month, right? Like most typical gyms run. Yeah. Um, but with our services, we include like consultations, nutritional consultations, training consultations, um, things added to that, to those packages or to those memberships to bring a little bit more value. Does that make sense? And we also yeah. add um, on top of that, like welcome packages. Like for example, whenever I acquire a new train, a new client, whether in person or online, um, we send out a welcome package with all the tools they'll need to be successful and to to build that value. Because a lot of people don't understand that it's it's a service industry, and you want to provide as much value to that person, whether they're training with you or they're just a member. You know, enough or as much as possible in order to to build that relationship that you want to have. Right, yes. that, that you want to be that go-to person or that go-to gym at all times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Establishing a relationship with your clients, building trust, yeah. and then also providing that next level of service yeah. for your clients, the best level of service that you can provide for your clients. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so you have a couple of different pricing options based on... Yeah what it is that uh, your client is looking to do essentially. So when a client comes in, are you 
meeting with them in person and kind of formulating a program for them? Are you taking like a diagnostic approach with that and formulating a very specific program for them based on that meeting? What does it look like when a new client comes to you essentially? Um, so that's with before they have a membership or with a membership? So before they have a membership, if they're just brand okay. new, they're interested in training with you, kind of walk me through okay. that process. Okay. Um, so typically we'll have them check into our guest process. And then from there, we'll give them a tour of the facility and kind of ask those questions that, that you want to ask an individual when they come into a gym, right? Because most people, when they come to a gym, they have a goal, they have a purpose, they have an intent. Mm -hmm. They're really motivated. They're fired up. Um, and most people uh, start off that way, but don't really know how to approach that process. Um, so that's where we step in. That's where we come in and start asking the questions that need to be asked in order to get them to open up and tell us exactly what is it that they want to do. And then from there, we'll formulate kind of a, a, a mini game plan to get them from point A to point B, right? And then from there, we'll set up an actual consultation. We have a little bit of detail we'll get from the first interaction. And then from there, we'll set up a, an hour consultation after they get enrolled. That way we can actually dig a little bit deeper into their endeavors. And then from there, okay. we'll formulate a plan and then give them or provide them with options as to how to get to that point. Okay. All right. So that makes sense. So it's an interesting model to me. So do you ever have people that start so you start them training actually in the facility. So do you ever have people that don't want to transition to online, but like that want to continue training in the facility? Yeah, we do. We do. Um, not me in particular, but my, my trainers do. Um, mm -hmm. So we say we reserve a few spots for, for clients like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, typically from there, it typically means that I need to hire more trainers if I have issues with that, which I am in the process of trying to hire more trainers because I'm running into that scenario. Yeah. Um, but yes, we do have clients all the time that want to want to continue with that one. They like that personal approach. And, and I completely right. understand um, mm -hmm. it's beneficial. It, you, you build a really good relationship with your clients. Um, but yeah, it's one of those issues that it's a good problem to have, but it, it needs to be resolved. And the, the biggest challenge that we're running into right now is actually finding trainers. Yes. Um, so it's been it's been tough. And, and I'm pretty sure every gym is or every company is kind of suffering in the same way, just trying to find people to fill those gaps. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I think that finding good quality staff, good quality trainers is one of the hardest parts of the business itself. And that's not yep. even, you know, just in the fitness industry. I think it's across the board, especially right now in every industry, they're having business owners in general are having trouble finding people to work. So yeah, that's, that's huge. And when you get into a situation that you need more trainers to be able to bring in more clients, it kind of limits you a little bit as far as your growth goes. So exactly. Yeah. So that kind of, you know, puts the brakes on things a little bit. If you're not able to accommodate more clients because you don't have enough people to actually train them. Um, so with that being said, over the next six months to a year or so, what specifically are you focused on within the business as far as goals go? Uh, specifically growth. Um, I don't like, I'm, I'm not a fan of reducing quality when it comes to, to sessions and clients. Yeah. 
Um, so we'll maintain what we currently have. We won't scale above 40, 40 clients um, just because I don't want the quality to reduce with my trainers and I don't want them getting stressed out or myself stressed out, um, especially being in physical therapy school. Um, yeah. So over the next six months to a year, what I'm looking to do is grow by adding more trainers. Right now we're just um, seeking posting job or posting jobs um, like on Indeed, Indeed, Snack a Job, things of that nature to find more trainers, even going to some of the local community colleges because um, they do have programs for trainers in that area. Um, but that's all that we're focusing on is just growing our trainer, the trainer side, trying to get at least about six more trainers by the end of the year, or not by the end of this year, I'm sorry, within the next six months, if possible. I know it seems like a little bit stretched out right now, but um, I got a couple people that we've been interviewing and working on. But at the same time, it's one of those things that, that finding a good quality trainer that stands out um, is very difficult and challenging uh, yeah, just because there's absolutely. a lot of them out there. And, and it's a person, it's a people's game. In all honesty, it's a personality thing. Yes. Me, from what I've seen running the business for, for six years um, under the umbrella of another company and, and understanding where what a good trainer looks like um, and what a bad trainer looks like. Mm -hmm. um, and even just because people have a certification doesn't mean anything to me. You have to be one of those individuals that are very charismatic. You're mm -hmm. very attentive. You, you respect the client. You hold them accountable. Um, you understand what they need. And you're just a, a people person. Because like yes. I said earlier, it's a, it's a people's game. It's a service game. Exactly. Yeah, it's that's something that I would run into a lot as well when I was running my facility, I, I always said, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a hard job. It is a very multifaceted job. So it yes. requires you to have a lot of different skills that again, not necessarily super hard skills, but a lot of different skills. So like communication, like you said, and it, you have to have a certain personality. Being a people person is important. And then also having the knowledge for one, which like you said, you don't necessarily care if somebody has a certification, if they don't have the other skills that are required. Um, but also along the lines of the certification, so you can have all of the knowledge in the world, but if you can't apply that knowledge, then it's useless, right? So there's a difference exactly. between having knowledge and then being able to apply that knowledge as well. So there are so many people who know so much about training, but if you put them on the floor with a client, a lot of times they don't really know what to do, especially if that client comes in with some type of um injury like they're they're recovering from an injury or uh you know different types of conditions people come in with so many different types of things going on and you have to be able to adapt and adjust and then awareness also that's a huge one just being aware of what's going on being aware of the type of person that you're working with and there are just so many things i think that it requires so it's hard to find the right type of person. And it seems like you're, you, you set your standards high, obviously, as far as the quality goes. So that's not something that you're willing to compromise on. So that it can get hard. It can get hard to find the right people to be able to keep that same level of service, but then to also be able to continue to grow when you're limited by staff, it kind of puts you in a, a tough spot. So I've been there. I completely <laughs> understand that. 
It does. It does. And, um, one of the things I do want to do is increase our member base as well. So what I'm looking into is some grants that hopefully within the next year or so I can open up another a facility a little bit closer to home. Um, so that's one of the other things that I forgot to mention that I'm working on as well. Um, but for, for right now, we'll keep everything as small as we, as we possibly can. Um, until things kind of lighten up in our state as well, because there's so many regulations going on with the COVID mandates. Um, so once those things kind of lighten up and, and we're able to hire a little bit more, um, we'll go on and set our path in that direction as well. Okay, so you are looking to eventually open your own brick and mortar facility? Yep, to... yep exactly. Okay, so at that point, are you thinking of keeping the same hybrid model or transitioning? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. We will. Well, because the, the gym that I'll be opening up specifically will be almost physical therapy related, but also sports related. Um, so it'll be around that around that time once I finish school as well. But that's in process. We've been, we've already started the paperwork and things of that nature. Um, but yeah, we want to keep that hybrid model because we like like the way things work. And it seems to me that a lot of people have been um switching to that to that perspective they like the fact that they can work out from home now um even though that wasn't really a big thing before the pandemic um and in all honesty i probably didn't even care about doing online training until the pandemic hey so it's kind of been a blessing in disguise um but it actually made me able to reach out more i mean i train people across the world i have people in the Dominican republic i have people in south africa um europe you name it it's there exactly. and it's been, uh, it's been a blessing getting to meet other people as well. So it's been really, really fun. Definitely. Yeah, that's awesome. I know a lot of people have, the pandemic obviously required people to adapt and kind of restructure things within their businesses, yeah. within their business models. And a lot of people did transition to an online space. So they transitioned during that time or a lot of gym owners actually now are trying to piece together an online platform just to have for in the future, just in case, you know, because they were so shocked by everything that happened over the last year, year and a half or so. Everybody was, we never expected anything like this. Um, but just to have as another stream of revenue as well, you know, so even if you do have your brick and mortar facility and everything's going well there, why not provide that online platform to be able to reach more people and yeah. help more people? You know, like I said, you're working with people from all over the world. So why not have that platform to use for the people that do want it? Because some people still, and like you said, you've still got some restrictions going on, but uh, some people just either don't want to come back to the gym because they've found that they actually like working out at home and it's convenient for them. Uh, other people are maybe not yet 100% comfortable coming back into a facility yet. So it just provides you with more options and then also that other stream of revenue for the business. So, yes, I mean, speak of that stream of revenue, I last year i didn't even think i'd make as much money as i did now just because of the online training online training has lowered my overhead costs been yeah. able to keep my retention high um i've had more clients now because of it because you know not everybody can afford one-on-one -on -one training on a consistent basis because you know it can't get pricey um, yes. depending on where you're at right um so this is just like a lower ticket form like hey i still want you to progress and and continue with your goals but let me provide you with a different opportunity or a different right. way of getting there. 
right? Mm-hmm. So it, it, you still talk to those people, you still have your interactions with them, whether through a Zoom, email, text, you name it, just like we're doing now. Um, mm-hmm. And they still get to where they want to be. So it's it's if you're if you're a trainer or gym owner not doing this, then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Why not? It allows you to help so many more people. And I mean, at the end of the day, that's the goal, right? Help as many people as you possibly can change their lives for the better. So exactly. if one question that I always love to ask every every gym owner that I speak with is if you could snap your fingers and improve one thing within your business right now, what would that be and why? Hmm. That's a, that's a really good, there's a lot of things I want to improve. On. I know, right? <laughs> oh man. Um, if there's one thing I can improve on, it's probably reach how I reach out or how can I reach to more people? How can I reach out to more people? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's probably been the biggest challenge. And I'm sure that's a lot of challenge or for or one of the difficult tasks for a lot of people to accomplish yes. is, is getting to that point. So reaching out to people and, and continuing to better that process, because that is realistically the only process that I'm focusing on right now, because it's been tough. Um, so yeah. I reached out to some mentors, reached out for some guidance, and it's been a, it's been a blessing, honestly. They've helped me a lot. They've helped me increase uh, my revenue over a thousand percent in a month um, just by that. So that's something that I'm consistently focused on, and it's probably not going to change here within the next six months. <laughs> so if that's one thing, if that's the thing that I need to work on, or one thing that I'm going to continue to focus on is just being able to reach out to more people and how to do that better. Exactly. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a constant learning process basically, because those types of things are always changing. You know, you have to stay up to date on what the the newest, hottest thing is, you know, where are people's eyeballs and it's yep. constantly changing and algorithms change and, you know, the way that things are formatted change and the way that people see advertisements changes. So yeah, you just have to kind of keep up to date on it and um, keep working at it, keep trying different things to kind of see what works and see where where you get good results from. So yeah, it's definitely yeah. A, a constant process and just making sure that your your ads are optimized and you know you're putting out the right content, the things that people want to see. You know, I think that that's something that kind of gets lost too. It's like, okay, I have to make sure that I'm posting, but I mean, are you posting things that are getting people's attention or like, are you, you know, the, one of the things that's interesting is the psychology behind marketing and it's, uh, it's definitely weird in a sense per se, because I've never really understood my background is in health, you know, in exercise science and trying to understand people's thoughts and what they like and don't like. Yeah. Um, that's actually been really interesting. It's, it kind of became applicable to in-person setting with my training and trainers. So I'm like, wow, this is a, this is an eye opener for me. So understanding what people want and like and what sparks their interest and curiosity has been probably one of the greatest things I've learned throughout the pandemic. Yeah. And, and I'm still learning. It's not something I've perfected and probably won't perfect for years to come. But at the same time, um, I tell a lot of people, you know, I'm one of those that I've never been in front of a camera or or uh, spoken on podcasts like we're doing now. I've never yeah. been one. I've always been one of those like hermit crabs, you know. Um, but then I started to get out there even more and more. And I kind of found that this is actually really fun. Yeah. Yeah, it <laughs> um, is. It's and, definitely like awkward at first. It requires yeah. you to step out of your comfort zone for sure. But yeah but it opens up so many opportunities so many Mm -hmm. opportunities so 
take a leap of faith and try it out and then you'll see that the the reward is there right that's just that's just how the game is played Mm -hmm. the game works right yeah and you never know too because a lot of times there were so many times when i would like put a piece of content out there put an ad out there whatever and just not think that it was anything great right like i didn't think that it would do that well and then it would or or vice versa (laughs) you put something out there and you're like you know, this is, this is fantastic. It's going to crush it. And then you don't get a lot of return off of it, but you know, that's how you learn. So that's how you kind of figure it out along the way. But yeah, it is, um, a constant, constant learning process and definitely requires you to step outside of the box and get a little bit uncomfortable, but it certainly helps to get get frustrated, make mistakes, sit there in front of a computer, trying to learn people's thoughts for six hours, you know, so, so get out there and do it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that um, I also loved about the sales process, you know, the membership sales process, because at the end of the day, you know, it is a business. You do have to make membership sales in order to, you know, keep going. So the you were talking about the psychology piece a little bit behind marketing and also the psychology piece behind sales and selling memberships. And I loved that piece. That was something that always uh, sparked my interest. It's so cool to learn about like the little things that people do or say, or um, just like little tweaks that you can make in the way that you say something that completely changes the game for you. So it's so interesting to learn those things along the way as well. I always loved that side of things. Yeah, I mean, I noticed um, a lot of people typically don't listen when they, when they, all they see is dollars half the time. Um, what you want to do is listen to that member or that potential member client and understand exactly what is it that they're going through? What do they need? So you can best mm-hmm. help them. And it, and it works. And I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I, I'm not a salesman, right? I, I love what I do. This is a passion of mine. Yes. Um, but one of the things that I've learned is that if you listen to that person or you listen to that new member and understand why they're in there in the first place, it, it doesn't even become salesy at all. It just becomes, exactly. like, hey, this, is, this is what the best approach. I mean, they, they come into your gym wanting to be there. Nobody comes into a gym not wanting to be there, right? They're right. there for a reason. Right? Exactly. Gym's a gym. The, the, the weights are heavy, the water's wet, nothing changes. Everything's mm-hmm. the same. Yeah. So they're in there for a reason. Find out what that reason is and then give them the best opportunity to get to their goals or give them exactly. something to help them get started. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's something that um, that I used to always say is, you know, everybody that walks in your gym walks in the gym for a reason. So it's your job to figure out why they are there and then give them the solution, you know, provide them with a solution. And so many gym owners say, well, I'm just not good at sales. And it's like, okay, so we can unpack that a little bit, but I mean, it's, they'll just kind of jump to the conclusion. Like I'm not good at sales. And it's like, okay, well, how, how long have you spent trying to learn sales? You know, how much, how many, how many hours have you spent in sales training? You know, probably none or very little. So how can you expect to be good at sales if you've never done it before? And I I think people kind of just like write that off initially because they're like, well, I'm just not a salesperson. And it's like, 
well, you can become a salesperson if you learn how to do it. You just have to put in the time to learn those things. But then on the other side of that is like, like you said, if you're just actively listening, like a lot of people just listen to respond, you know, they don't listen to actually hear what the person is saying to them. If you listen to what they're saying, and then basically, you know, you're, you're the authoritative figure in that situation. They're coming to you because they need help with what it is that you provide. So at yeah. the end of the day, the sale itself, it, it shouldn't even really be a sale. You know, it's they're coming to you because they have a problem and you have the solution. Exactly. You're providing the service and they're paying for it. You know, that's it. That's the way that it works. So yeah. I think people kind of overcomplicate that situation and they're afraid to prescribe the solution essentially you know i used to explain it to my staff like you don't go to a doctor with some kind of ailment and then question the prescription that they give you you know they say okay this is what you're going to do or you know this is what you're going to take or whatever it is and you just take it and you say okay you know so it should kind of be the same way when somebody comes to you and they say these are the goals that I want to reach. I want to do X, Y, and Z. And you say, okay, this is what you have to do. It's the same kind of situation. Obviously we're not doctors, different situation there, but same idea, right? So I think that people just kind of shy away from that because they're afraid to prescribe people with what they need, essentially. Yeah, I, you know, even having a back then about 20 something trainers under me i and training my staff to be as as best as they can be based off their niche mm-hmm. um or what they liked a lot of them weren't salespeople, and right. that's okay mm-hmm. um one thing i did teach though was that if you're not a salesperson, and i completely understand that utilize somebody who is because you have a team full of people who are really good at what they do mm-hmm. um and you're only going to be you're only hindering yourself um, because you're not, you're too scared to do the sale yourself, or you're too scared to ask for help. Like it's okay to ask for help, mm-hmm. right? Like I said, I'm I'm not a salesman myself. Even though I run a business, um, right. I've never been a salesman, and and I still don't think myself as a salesman. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it does cost money to to you know have the software in place, pay your trainers, mm-hmm. um, run the gym, run the facility, all those things, and and that's a little bit in simple terms, but asking for the sale is one of those things that I've, I've never had an issue with because I'm not thinking about the dollar. I'm thinking about that person individually, like, Hey, I want to, I want to make sure that this person doesn't have diabetes anymore. I want to make sure that this person, um, lives a healthy lifestyle for the rest of them. They came to me for a reason. I want to make sure that I can provide them with that service. Um, and then it just sells itself. Exactly. But I, I always ask people, um, even myself, I was in the military and having a team under me, like I were, even though I was in a leadership position, um, that doesn't mean that I knew the answer to everything. And I always have somebody helping me, mentors, mm-hmm. guides, uh, my team, like you're only going to, you, you're only going to be as strong as your weakest link, right? And exactly. you might be the weakest link, but right. utilize your <laughs> team to your advantage. Um, utilize them to help you figure out the solution or figure out the problem, whatever the case may be, just, yes. just have that leverage in place. Yes. Um, because like you said, it's, it's, it is a, sometimes it's a little bit grimy, grimy where you feel like you're, or you feel grimy because you're a salesperson technically, but you're not, mm-hmm. um, you're there to just change somebody's life for the better. And exactly. that's all you have to think about. Yes, absolutely. Well, first, thank you for your service. Um, <laughs> thank, thank you. and yeah, I mean, it just keeping in mind that you are there to help them reach that goal. I think when people 
get concerned about asking for money or, you know, making the actual sale, just keeping in mind that that person came to you for help. And it is about them reaching their goals. And, you know, when people make an investment there, then they're far more likely to reach that goal than if they don't make an investment there. Um, sometimes, so I would say sometimes, because uh, I've noticed in the past uh, when we started training and we were charging way less than our competitors at some point, we noticed that people would fall off their programs or wouldn't do certain things that we've asked them to. Mm -hmm. um, so we've learned that if we actually ended up charging more, people would be more likely to adhere to their program or stick to their routine or right. whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. They would be more inclined to come to the gym as well. Because yes. if you're charging, you know, 10 bucks a month, eh, it's like, okay, 10 bucks is 10 bucks. But if you're charging, you know, 50 bucks a month, 60, 70, 100, um, some of the gyms up here even charge up to 200 a month. Um, just from memberships alone. And, and you'll see people would come a little bit more often. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and my clients would actually, uh, uh, so don't sell yourself short. Don't yes. undervalue yourself. Um, because that's one of the things that I noticed if I, if I didn't up my prices, my prices, my business would have failed basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would have been overstretched and, and stressed out even more. So find your worth, you know, what you're worth and, and raise your prices if you need to, because you'll yeah. have better retention, um, better results as yes. well right exactly people who pay pay attention right so they're paying <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they're paying for it then chances are they're gonna pay more attention to it uh rather than you know sit, paying like you said ten dollars a month is like eh, it's not a huge deal right but when you get into yeah. those higher ticket prices for either memberships or programs then chances are they're going to pay more attention to it because they're making that investment in it. So it's more important. And that's what actually helps them reach their results. So definitely a good piece of advice there. Know your worth. Don't be afraid to raise your prices. Love that. All righty. So as we start to wrap up here, where can the listeners find you on social media? Um, so my Instagram handle is BRC coaching. Um, and they can also find my website at barbellpractice.com. All right. Sounds good. Bernardo from Barbell Practice in Washington. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been awesome having you on the show. Thank you for having me. It was definitely fun. Absolutely. Awesome. All righty. And to all of the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you will be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, make sure you keep killing it out there and we will catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast. We talk to fitness and wellness pros who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner of Confidence Club Martial Arts in Avon, Indiana, Cameron Smith. How are you doing today? I'm well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I am excited to have you on. Haven't 
haven't had a martial arts school on in a while. So this is uh this is gonna be pumped up. So let's jump into it. Tell us what Confidence Club Martial Arts is all about. Uh, Confidence Club Martial Arts is a traditional Taekwondo school that uh, I started in 2019. My background is is mostly Taekwondo, uh, just a traditional martial art. Um, I have I've kind of uh, dabbled in other uh, traditional arts, but that's been my sole background uh, since I was about 17 years old. I'm, I'm 31 now. All right. So give us a little bit more in-depth of the background. You started, you started when you were younger, um, you know, something, I think I'll let you say it in your own words, but it turned into a family thing and ignited a passion for you. Tell us about that and how you carried it through. Yeah. So when, uh, when the idea was brought up to start a martial art, um, you know, it, it was my dad's idea to spend some time together uh, with uh, myself and my brother. And it just kind of like male bonding time, just have some time and spend with each other as a, as a teenager, you know, uh, I was kind of a screwball, you know, goofball messing around. And it, it, it was a nice way to stay out of trouble. And, but you know, at the time I, I wasn't, I didn't really realize that, or I didn't realize what martial arts would do for me and my life and the positive and the positivity that, that it gave me. And um, uh, so it was a good time to, to spend with my family. And then, you know, a couple years into it, I just, I really fell in love with it. I fell in love with, you know, how you can take um, a, an adult or a, a teen or a child who's kind of in, in their own shell, timid, um, and, and it really brings the confidence out of them. It can really turn uh, a follower into a leader and it can really ignite a passion, whether it be in martial art or uh, something that they have in, in their own life. And I, I, it really opened my eyes that uh, I really wanted to do this for other people and, and either be an instructor of some kind um, or, or I, I just knew that I wanted to be a student for forever or, or even a, even own my own school one day. Or I would have been happy with uh, just teaching for somebody, you know, but I, I just fell in love with it completely and I just dove right in. It's fantastic, man. It's turning a, a, a family passion into your life's work um, and now, you know, getting getting to really um, have as much of an impact as you want. You know, you can you can spread this to as as many of your students as you want to. So uh, there was some some intervening time, right? That from when you started. Um, so you were like what 27, 28 when you started the the school. Is that right? Right. So in my to all throughout since when I when I knew that you know 1920 I was really getting into a uh, competition and and I knew that if I was gonna do this one day you know as either a business of my own or really uh, you know build up my credibility in order to you know to 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 be able to have students of my own or for people to take me seriously that I would have to really dive in through tr in, into training and, and be a hardcore uh, competitor a, as much as possible. And, and that's what I tried to do. So all throughout my early and, and mid twenties, I, I worked for an instructor 
And uh, I also tried to just compete my heart out as, as much as possible, try to learn the ins and outs of, of competition, uh, trying to learn the ins and outs of just being a good instructor. Um, and, you know, even if I wasn't, even if I wasn't the best at something, I definitely wanted to be able to teach it, explain it, and, and coach it to somebody who could be better than me. And, and that's, that's what I want to do is I want to uh, create competitors or create um, uh, students who are, who are better than I am. And when it came down time to uh, making the move of uh, opening a school, it was really just a luck of the draw. Uh, you know, my time with my instructor was, uh, we were kind of hitting this point where I was running two satellite locations for him. And um, it, it was, it was to the point where I knew that I, it was time to either, either go off on my own or let that go and work for this guy, you know, forever, which either would have been fine. And so uh, I had a discussion with my wife and she just says, go for it. And um, so I believe it was 2018. Uh, we found a small spot, uh, had been vacant for about four years, and we were able to just jump right in. And then uh, June 2019 is when we opened. Awesome, man. What a, what a story. You definitely have just, you've been living it the whole time. I mean, there's, there's yeah. no other way to describe it. So when it came to the logistics of opening up, the school, um, there are a million things that go into it. We're not gonna talk legal, um, financial too much here, but more the the actual execution of it and how you'd be able to do it. So you had to find a spot, you know, usually it's, do I go retail space? Do I go commercial space? How big of a space do I need? You know, how do I set it up? Am I gonna have employees or not? So what was your thought process in picking your location in, um, you know, size, layout, area, all of that? Well, when, uh, when we were looking for a uh, spot, the, the spot that we initially settled on was a, a retail space um, about, about 1200 square feet. So it was, it was, uh, wasn't the biggest, but I didn't, the space was not the issue because if I didn't have the students, uh, the space wouldn't matter. So uh, at whatever I could get, and uh, I could, I if if you know if the student clientele built built uh, up, and we'd be a little uh, jam packed for a little while, I I think we'd be able to manage. But the the whole point was just trying to find somewhere to get in, and we got lucky, like I said, with this with this space that had been vacant that they wanted it filled, and um. Uh, we just we jumped right in. It all happened really fast, uh, fortunately. And um, I knew from the beginning that it would just be me running everything um, from the from the business side to the teaching side because I had been doing that already for for years already. And so that was that was kind of a no brainer for me. And then I relied on. I relied on um, having already built a presence here in Avon because I ran a school 
already for uh, uh, my past instructor. So I had a kind of a, a small following of students. So it was a, a small cushion of, of people that came in and uh, supported me and supported the way that I was teaching them and, and they wanted to follow. And then we tried to build from there. Awesome, awesome. So once you got, you got opened up, right? Things are, things are going. Um, for, for martial arts studios, schools, um, there's a lot of word of mouth, you know, kids, parents, you know, referrals are, are big. Did you do any type of outward promotion, community events, uh, getting into schools? I've talked to, you know, different, you know, some martial arts schools have demo teams that go around and do stuff. What types of things did you do to, to start the flow of getting more students in the door? So I, I, sh at the time and even even now, I am strictly just uh, online uh, social media advertisement, and, you know, as well as the, uh, you know, the word of mouth from students and students, parents and things like that. We, you know, that's that's enough. That happens already. Um, but it was just an online presence. Like, uh, I think I'm I'm a, a little bit fortunate that I'm, a, you know, a younger guy that came up with technology, came up with social media. And so, you know, posting uh, something every day or posting on all uh, social media sites, that's pretty normal, natural. And it's something I, I did already. So and then I just kind of turned it over into the into the school, always posting about the school. Um, I would get into uh, town, town community, uh, community groups like on Facebook, where uh, they promote small businesses. And, and that's where I put a lot of my posts. And, uh, and then I would pay for, you know, the online advertisement, things like that. And, and I also do a student like referral program as well. If a, if a student um, referred somebody, they would get a month for free and just to try out the program. And then if I could lock in that person that they referred to me, then the person or the already existing student uh, would also get a month free. So I would, I would have to, you know, eat it for uh, a month, but then like I, I've never had an issue with uh, student retention. Um, so I, I would see it a little bit down the line that that payoff. Got it. Got it. Okay. So you do that. You're, you had all these things turning, you got, you know, multiple fishing poles in the water, so to speak. So things start to grow. Um, as it stands right now, you are, you're one man operation. You're doing everything. You wear all the hats, CEO of all things. Um, does that, has that ever gotten overwhelming? Has there ever been a point yet as you've grown where you've started to think about things you may need or want help with, or are you still at a point where you feel like you have the energy to, to run around and do everything that you need to? Oh, I have, I have had plenty of times where I have felt pretty uh, burnt out, um, overwhelming of the, you know, running the business, uh, trying to grow the business. And, you know, sometimes it could just be a, a tough day at, uh, my other job. I also have a, another full-time job that I do during the day. And then I run my school during the evening. Got it. So you are 
burning the candle at both ends for sure. Yeah. Is if, I don't know if it's in the scope of the podcast or not, is your other job in the realm of, of martial arts or is it something completely unrelated? It's totally, totally un unrelated. Got it. Got it. Okay. So we'll, we'll stay on topic then for now. So um, COVID was devastating to a lot of people and a lot of different types of uh, industries, you know, let alone health, wellness, fitness, training, you know, things like what you do, but um, you made a pivot and you had a, a hundred percent retention through your shutdown. So talk us through what your thought process was there and, and how you were able to keep everybody engaged, even though they couldn't come into the school. So when we shut down, uh, we shut down in early March and we stayed shut down until the very end of May. And when we made that decision that, you know, well, I guess I shouldn't say we made the decision. The decision was made for us to shut down, so, you know, um, but <clears throat> when when that happened, we had to decide uh, we had to figure out what we were going to do uh, because the business was so new. Um, bills were not going to stop. Um, and uh, we had to uh, come up with something. So we, we immediately went to online. And um, uh, when we did, it was just Zoom classes. And uh, I did it from my home. You know, I went out in my garage, I set up my, my cameras, uh, my laptops, and, you know, I would just do an hour or hour and a half class with anybody who wanted to join. You know, I would send out the, send out the information, the link, um, you know, join us for training, and then I would do it as often as I could. You know, if, if parents or if uh, people were still going to pay for the program, I had to make it as worthwhile as, as possible in, in my mind. Um, I, know, I know schools who, have, who just shut down completely and didn't do anything and they just kind of waited it out uh, for, you know, the couple months and then uh, start back up again. And then I've seen schools shut down and never open. Uh, back up again you know they're they're done because of the pandemic and, and that's been uh, that's been a, a sad thing to see from you know your uh, uh, you know uh, your community of your your people that you affiliate yourself with like you know the people that you came up with uh, you know that I came up with a uh, training and to see them kind of disappear or you know retire or throw in the hat because of the pandemic but uh, again very, very lucky that we had such a supportive group of people and, and people that, that believed in myself and in the program. And you just, uh, yeah, that really speaks volumes to the type of community that you created, the type of engagement. And I guess another thing about being a one man operation is, you know, you're the face, everybody knows you, you know, everybody, there's a lot of, a lot of connection. You're not just an owner often an office somewhere that, that nobody has right. with and, and you're going to value it and treat it like that more than anybody else would. So um, I think on the same topic, and, and I think they're strongly related of, of the community, of the, the core that you have there. And one of the things you foster is you basically have it set, not even basically, you have it set up. So anybody who doesn't want to, or can't be there doesn't have to be You're and if they want to be there, they can come as much as they want. So you have the double whammy of 
basically unlimited access membership. So if, if there's a class on the schedule and someone has a membership, they can come as many times as they want. And if something happens, life changes, people move, they get busy, whatever happens, they need to go on hold or they need to cancel. You just let people walk away, right? You're, you're giving them as much as they can while they're your client, they're, your student. And then if the time comes that they need a break temporarily or permanently, you shake hands and, and part ways. And I know that's something that's not very common in your industry. So how much thought went into that for you? How much had to, had to do with your past experience? And, you know, has that been the only way that you've ever thought about doing it from day one? How has that thought process played out? Well, in my early days of training, and I think it was pretty typical back then for uh, school owners that they would, um, uh, there were always uh, contracts. So you were locked in, for, you know, if, if you decided to join the school, uh, they would try, you know, upsell you on certain programs. And then that upsell um, led to a longer contract and it could be a year or it could be three years. You know, in my uh, pr uh, particular style of martial art, Taekwondo, it takes about two and a half, three years for an individual to go from uh, a white belt to a black belt, um, given that they don't, you know, miss a promotion and, you know, they're, you know, they're on time and as scheduled. Um, and, and an instructor or a business owner would want to lock you in for those three years to make sure that you're paying for those three years. And they'll call it like a black belt program or black belt club or master's club or something like that to really get, uh, you know, to, to bring people in to kind of um, build that type of uh, group. Um, and then the access to those classes are maybe twice a week or uh, three times a week, I guess, you know, if they upsell you, they'll, they'll maybe give you another class, but they're, but they're upselling. So they're charging more for that, for that extra class. Um, and they don't care if you come or not. Yeah. You know, if, if you don't attend the class, they're still going to get paid. You know, they'll, you know, once you sign that, that contract, they'll, they'll pass you off to the middleman, the, the collector. And then uh, you got to deal with them. I, and I knew I knew going into opening the school that I, I didn't want anything to do with that. If, um, uh, if uh, I had classes that were available, if I had classes that were open, I wanted any student, young, old, to be able to come and attend as much as possible. If, if they want to be there, I want them to be there. Um, and it never changed the price, whatever their their monthly was. And we we have no contracts, um, so that's what that's what you were uh, making your point toward. Also, you know, uh, there are there is a there's a pretty set price on on uh, uh, of the program, excuse me. And then there are discounts, like uh, at the time of the pandemic. Um, for first responders and uh, nurses, I had a discount for uh, for them, uh, police officers, firefighters, uh, EMTs. You know, I had discounts for them as well during the time of the pandemic. Um, I've always had a military uh, discount, and I've always had a multi-family member discount. Um, and th th I think that's what drew draws people in as well. Um, and the price never changes, regardless of how often you come. 
to class. Uh, what it is, is, is what it is. And, and the more that you can, you know, the more class time you can squeeze out of that, that's, that's only to their benefit. Fantastic. All right. So as we get uh, towards, towards the end of the time that we have here, we have a good idea of your background, what you get into now, kind of what you stand for, how you operate. The two, two big things uh, that I like to talk about are kind of one, one future and one past. So future, you know, if you could wave a magic wand and everything went perfectly, you know, whether it's six months, six years down the road, where do you ultimately want to see the school go and grow into? Is it, you know, one school? Is it multiple schools? Is it, you know, this being your one and only full-time occupation? What's the, uh, what's the big dream? So I, I guess that the big dream would be that number one, that, that the school would become my, you know, my only, uh, my only job. You know, I don't mind being a, a busy person, you know, two jobs uh, to, to handle the, the offset of the school and then my home life as well. But ultimately, that would be the goal for it to be running uh, well enough to uh, just just do that. And then as far as multiple school, schools go, um, if, if I'm going to have multiple schools, those instructors, you know, those future instructors, they're they're. 10 years old right now. They're 11, they're 12, you know? So if, if I have instructors, they're, they're here, they're just, uh, you know, not old enough yet. So I'm, I'm building them up. And, but the, so that's, that's down the road. That's not a huge priority. I, I can be happy with, with just one school. And then uh, thirdly would be that the school is uh, a much bigger part of the community. Uh, you know, being a, a martial art, um, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. I love mixed martial arts. I love MMA, UFC, all great, very entertaining. It's great fitness. Uh, uh, it's a great martial art, uh, of course, but I, my love has always been, or my passion has always been the traditional arts. And, and the, like I said, I mean, that's, that's the uh, name of the school, you know, confidence club. I think that's what really draws parents in for their children you know I want my children to have confidence and and um, you know or even an adult you know I would like to have some more confidence every once in a while and, and I think that's appealing to uh, to the families and, and that families get to train together um, just like I did with my family and and I want to build a, a clientele of, of students who are are bigger roles in their community being leaders uh, whether it be in their um, their home life, their school life, their their extracurricular activities, because I ne I never shut down. You know, uh, schools, you know, school sports have seasons. Um, uh, school has break, summer break, spring break. I am open all the time. I don't I I don't shut down. So I run year round, and so kids can have somewhere to go to, uh, you know, to let out their um, to let out their energy, you know, during wintertime, everyone's stuck in the house or, you know, their school sports are, are out. So I'm their off season sport, you know, whatever they need, you know, that's, that's what I want the school to be just a bigger part of the community. All right. Last question. Well, second to last question. The last one will just be make sure we get all your contact info. Last question. If you could go back and tell 
you know, yourself a couple years ago, any point in your journey, um, if there's anything that you know now that you wish you would have known outside of the ability to predict the pandemic, because that's cheating. Um, is there anything that, that you've learned along the way that's been a big light bulb moment or something where you found as a business owner that, all right, hey, this, this thing makes sense to me. I'm, I'm going to make sure I keep this forever. Uh, the, the biggest thing I would have told myself, if I could go back and tell myself something is, uh, don't, don't stress out that, you know, just keep your nose to the grind. Um, uh, you know, you know, I had a lot of ups and downs and, and, and doubts that, you know, is the dream ever going to come to fruition? You know, am I ever going to, um, you know, step out of my comfort zone and, and be able to, to run a business? Um, you know, uh, I've had times where I have thought that maybe martial arts wasn't the, wasn't the right path and I should direct myself uh, somewhere else, you know, before it's too late, before I get too old. And uh, then I can't place myself somewhere in this world. But um, if, if I were to say something, it would be to just keep your nose down and, and work and, and keep working because it, it fell into my lap um, uh, because I, I worked my butt off, but I also, uh, I stressed a little bit too much during my, my uh, younger years. And uh, so I would just tell myself to, you know, take a breather, you're doing fine, um, and, and push forward. Fantastic, fantastic. All right, last question. This is going to be an easy one. Way up, I promise. For anybody who wants to find out more about Confidence Club, Give us your website, give us your social media, any place else that you can be found in the digital world. Uh, so the website is confidenceclubmartialarts.com. Um, uh, social media, it's uh, just my name. It's cameron.r.smith on Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok. I mean, I'm everywhere. Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate you spending some time with us today, sir. Been a pleasure having you. I wish you continued success. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. And to everyone out there listening, we appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in with us today. If you want to hear more episodes, click the subscribe button. We'll notify you when new episodes drop. To everyone out there in Jim Lords Nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders.
What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and we are here with a tremendously exciting guest. We have Danielle Weirich joining us from Intelligent Fitness out of Northeastern Ohio. Danielle, how are you today? What's going on in your part of the country? I am very good. Not much going on here, that's for sure, but uh, happy to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. And so, Danielle, intelligent fitness, this is not the traditional box gym. This isn't a place where people are going to come and set world records. How do you describe this business when people ask about it? Intelligent fitness is blank. I consider us a boutique training facility that specializes in medical fitness. Okay. And so the medical fitness side of that, for people listening, we have a lot of meatheads that listen to this. We have a lot of gym owners that listen to this, Danielle. Give us a bit of context. Who might be your target audience for this business? Well, our, our ta- target audience is um, kind of has a pretty big range of people that could be on the more preventative side. You know, maybe they have some family health history or something along those lines that they're trying to avoid or trying to improve upon. To the post-care side, those that had cardiac issues, cancer, surgeries, and they're trying to get back into their um, normal lives again, or what they would like to be their normal lives. Our age range really is about 35 to about 75, 80. That's our primary range. It's male, female, pretty much split down the center. Um, And I would say a good 98% of our clients have something along that medical spectrum. Okay. So they're coming for a purpose, right? It's not just because I wanted to join a gym, right? They have something that's going to drive them specifically to you. Now, how is that delivered, right? Because this by nature is a little bit more specific than the orange theories of the world, the CrossFits of the world, where we can just pack bodies and bodies and bodies in. What is, what is the model in which you provide that service? So primarily we do one-on-one training. Uh, we also um, recently, well, four years ago, we moved into the building that we're in right now, which is a lot bigger than it used to be. And we also provide what we consider small fitness classes, which are around um, 10 to 12 people. And um, my whole concept is really smaller, where a, a lot of gyms go bigger um, in terms of class sizes, room sizes, everything. We tend to go a little bit smaller and mostly so that we can keep eyes on everybody. You know, whenever you have medical fitness people, you want to make sure you know what they're doing and nobody goes rogue on you. Um, so uh, our model is really based on that one-on-one, much more personal attention than I think a lot of traditional gyms, even traditional personal trainers um, do. We might, well, we very often reach out to their medical practitioners, to their physical therapists. We communicate with them regularly. We keep up on their blood work. We keep up on a lot of things that not everybody else does in our industry because it's important for how um, we work with them to make sure that we know everything that's going on. Got it. And so tell us, you just moved into a new facility. What does this look like? 
Does this look like a medical office? Does this look like a standard gym? What are people walking into when they go through the doors of Intelligent Fitness? Uh, no, in fact, it doesn't look like a standard gym at all. It doesn't look like a medical office either. Uh, it's about, the building itself is about 8,000 square foot. We have about 4,000 square foot, that's the gym. And it's a large open space. Again, because we need to be able to keep eyes on kind of everything that's going on. Um, we, uh, we tried to make it as much like home as we could. So we have a small kitchen area that has a kitchen island. People can come sit, have a cup of coffee. Um, we have separate one-on-one -on -one sections that are really just delineated by equipment. Uh, so that then if somebody is working one-on-one -on -one with a trainer, they can have their own area, their own space, their own equipment. And then we have what we call self-circuits, which is like the classic, you know, open gym time. That area is where we have self-circuits as well as classes or, you know, our small fitness classes, which is basically, again, just kind of like a big open area <laughs> sounds, um, probably a little different, uh, but we have much more space rather than lots of equipment lined up, treadmills and whatnot. Yeah. A lot of facilities lately in the last 10 or so years, as we, as we've seen this kind of functional fitness wave mm -hmm. have gotten away from just packing with equipment right. and stuff and, and all of these different resources and have used more of a movement-based mm -hmm. open area style and so that's where you guys come in right and right. so tell us about tell us about pricing because when we talk about pricing in the fitness industry most of the time people have pretty set preconceived notions as far as what they should be paying but your service is doesn't really quite fit in that traditional box or <laughs> that traditional lens that we look at it through and so for someone coming to to work with you, what would they expect from a financial aspect? Um, well, hopefully I can answer this correctly for you or in the right vein that you're asking. Uh, so everything that we do does revolve around that one-on-one -on -one training model. So our price point is always reflective of that. So if somebody's coming to us, they are more than likely going to be working with a trainer in a one-on-one -on -one setting for some amount of time over say the month. Um, and, uh, because of that, you know, our price point is going to be a little bit higher. I mean, our prices range from about, let's see, about 130 to, Mm, for like a membership base, 275. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, we also have people that train more frequently than that. So we have packages that are also larger, some that are smaller. Uh, but mostly it is a little bit more on that higher end because of all of the additional work that we do. Yep. It's not just, we always consider the training time like the fun time because it's the easy time. We do a lot of work on the back end that is the challenging part, the prepping, the planning, talking about doctors, doing all of that, that is where most of our quote unquote work comes in. So it's a little different price point than like a traditional membership at a Y would be or a big box gym would be. Of course. Um, rather than even just, you know, slapping training into a membership, we have them built around things that would be more specific for you know, the type of person, somebody who has a lot of medical issues versus somebody who has fewer needs and issues on that point. 
Yeah. I think even if we were to compare it back to like, like a personal training studio, for example, that's probably the closest comp mm-hmm. that we have, but it's still a bit above national averages for pricing in, in a, in a session, if you will. Yeah. And that's because of the, the additional layer of customization, right. tailoring, kind of prescribing to case by case basis, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot more thought and energy that goes into what can we have this person do and what's going to help them trend towards better right? in just a, a run of the mill fitness program, right? right? Mm-hmm. Walk us through the marketing for that. How have you historically gotten the word out about this type of service? Oh my gosh, that's been very interesting, I think, over the years, because, you know, I started so long ago, the internet didn't exist like it does now. There was no social media whenever I started. So we did all of the classic, you know, mailings and, you know, hand newsletters. And I, my um, education is in athletic training for sports medicine and exercise physiology. And I worked with doctors throughout that time. So I already knew some local doctors. Uh, so I was able to kind of build off of that and do some, you know, uh, boots on the ground kind of networking. Um, and then as social media and all of that started to come out, I, I'm not a big fan of social media, so I can't say that I jumped right into that bandwagon very quickly. And if you ask my office manager, she would say that I still would prefer not to be on that bandwagon. But right now, uh, we do two basic types of marketing. We do social media marketing, whether it's um, ads to posts to our website, and we have a company that helps us with that. Um, And then we still do a lot of networking with medical professionals, similar to almost like a pharmaceutical sales rep would, you know, we drop off information, we, you know, meet with them, we have a medical fitness advisory board that we meet with regularly to um, communicate with and make sure that we're doing the best things that we can for our clients. So we, uh, we have that very visual, um, you know, meeting with people to the whole internet aspect. Yeah, things have things have evolved a bit for you <laughs> over the years. Hopefully we're not handing out or putting flyers on cars or, or hanging door knockers oh, on people's houses I, anymore, but uh, at one point in time that was the standard, right? <laughs> yeah, right. And so we've gotten into more of the the social media side. The reality is it's kind of a prerequisite, no matter what industry oh, you're in. It's, it's yeah. in the mind of a buyer. If I'm going to buy anything, I'm probably going to a, a couple of different sources and it's probably Facebook. It's probably Google. It's probably right. Instagram. And it's some combination of the above. Yes. If we're not on those things, people are going to find another option. 100%. Do you, are you at all concerned? I know you mentioned working with a third-party resource to help you on the social media side of things. Are you at all concerned that your personal feelings about it are going to be a barrier to growth in that aspect as you move forward with your business? I I think I've kind of gotten over that hump, but I'm going to tell you that it really, um, I probably had a good five years where I just fought it. Like I just was waiting for the social media world to implode so I could go back to things that I knew. And finally, I think I got my, you know, head on straight. And I also found a company that is local that we 
um, really work well with. We'd had a few companies in the past and I was never happy with them. Uh, they, they didn't understand medical fitness. They didn't understand us. Mm. I felt that they understood fitness. They were fine with that, but we are not the same. You cannot put somebody in a sports bra and booty shorts on an ad for our facility. It is not going to work well. Um, yeah. So we, we, it took a while to find them, but we finally did. And we mesh well with them. And that has, that has let me give up something that I don't like to do. And I don't understand well enough. And you can completely see the difference in how well our marketing works with this company who we've worked with now for a few years versus somebody who really just doesn't understand us. So you have to keep yeah. it. I make the analogy a lot when people bring up working with, with an agency or a marketing company, whatever title you want to put on it, mm -hmm. I make the analogy a lot to game telephone when you were a little kid. Yes. Right. If I sell something to you and then expect you to relay that to someone right. else, the message is going to get a little bit distorted at each layer of that. And mm -hmm. so the more people that are involved in it, the more that gets diluted. 100%. Best case scenario, we can keep it in house. We can spread our own message. But if that's not a skill set that you have, if that's not something that you, have the desire or time to learn, right. there are options out there that can help with it. And you happen to find one that jives well with you. Now, what do they do for you? Are they running ads? Are they posting organically? Some combination of both? Uh, pretty. They do a lot of things for us. They um, developed and they manage our website. Hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, they do some postings on our social media pages. Uh, that is information that we typically give them. They just put all the right things with it, the right, and I'm going to butcher this up because again, you know, the right tags, the right, you know, stuff on the back end, they know how to manage it and follow it. And, you know, even just make it something that somebody wants to look at. Uh, then they also do ads for us. So they do Google ads, Facebook ads, um, again, building off of information that we give them, you know, maybe any kind of sales or projects, promotions that we're having, but uh, they then make it something that is actually usable online. Yeah. That whole algorithm concept that is just something I do not know well. <laughs> no, um, but you found somebody that does. Right. People make people make entire careers off of this. Yes. And you found uh -huh. one of the good ones. And so, I mean, we always say good marketing should repel the wrong audience as much mm -hmm. as it is attract the right audience. And that's never been more true than in your case with how specific of a demographic you're looking for. We need to right. make sure that this gets to the right person. Right, because mm -hmm. we're not just blanket searching for anybody and everybody looking for a gym. Exactly. We need to find the right type of person, so it gets even a little bit more specific mm -hmm. in the implementation of any kind of marketing that right. we do. And if you're going to allocate time and money to this, we need to make sure that that ROI makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I'm, there have been times, you know, over the years that uh, we've gotten like pockets of clients that were really not the best fit for us, um, you know, to come on in, maybe do our initial consults, things like that. And then we find out that they are not the best fit. Uh, and so I usually just contact them and say, hey, you know, this is what we're seeing and they tweak it. So um, I'm 
actually really lucky to have them locally available to us, but they also will listen to our feedback. Yeah. Um, Tremendously important, mm-hmm. both of those features that you just listed. And so we're having success on the marketing side of things, mm-hmm. but take us into the future, right? We get these leads. Leads are leads. They mean mm-hmm. nothing to a business until they convert into some sort of paying client. What is your goal with this marketing in general? Of course, any kind of business, especially this one, needs a constant inflow of leads. Nobody has 100% retention. No. no. People move, people get right. jobs, people fall mm-hmm. off financially, whatever reason. What is the the big picture in your mind? So, you know, I was kind of thinking of this, um, you know, over the at the end of the year, you always think about this stuff. Um, uh, And whenever I was younger and the business was newer and before we like built the building and all of that too, uh, I really thought I was going to, you know, go and franchise it and do some, you know, something big. Uh, And I have come to the realization ever since we moved that I don't think that I, well, not I don't think, I don't want that anymore. I like what I have, uh, which probably seems anti-business, but I like the way that we are set up. I I love my team. I feel like we can always um, improve on, you know, things that we how we work and what we do, but I've got that right group. Um, and I feel like we bring in new trainers. Well, you know, if anything does happen, our clients are, we've got a nice flow of them coming in, but I don't feel it's scalable. Yeah. How, how I work is really not a scalable model, but it's a great model for me. I, I'm getting closer to that retirement age. So, and I have uh, teenage kids that, Will probably take over my businesses. So my goal is really to start preparing them for that transition and continuing to, to I don't want to say build clientele, because obviously we all want to do that to some degree, but as I can help more people help them and have my trainers help them and make them, you know, better and improve upon their health and wellness, but not to the extent of trying to, I'm going to franchise 500 facilities and go all over the U S. Yeah. One thing that you said stood out to me more than anything else. And you said, my thought process is anti-business and I could not disagree with you more. I think that's the most pro-business statement one could make. And and we get so caught up in in our industry specifically, but business in general of more, bigger, better is the only way. Mm -hmm. Whereas this is your business. Sometimes it's not the best way. (laughs) it's, It's to create the life that you want, not the life that other people want. And if we're trending in the direction of your vision, mm-hmm. screw everybody else. Yeah, you know? right, exactly. It doesn't matter. We don't need 10,000 clients. Right. It's, and it's I think not that, realistic to, to deliver the service that you have in that manner anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of business, fitness business owners, probably other business owners too, but fitness in particular, because it's already a tough industry. I, I, I kind of explain this um, 
and my husband laughs, you know, whenever we are someplace and somebody goes, oh, what do you do for a living? And I say, oh, I'm a personal trainer. You know, you get the, oh, when are you going to get a real job yeah. kind of look? What do you do full time? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I feel like fitness business owners tend to be pressured to make something that is not necessarily what they want. They don't go into business to have, you know, tons and tons of buildings and property and stuff that they are managing over on a large scale. They usually go into it because they love the people and they love the training and that. And they they feel that, oh, I can't be successful if, you know, I, I how do I say I just own a gym if, you know, I don't have 10 of them. But who really cares? You know, you, uh, I'm, I'm happy now to say that I'm kind of past that point of ego to it. And yeah, now I'd rather just- It's a self-confidence thing. It 100% is. And, and owning a business is, a, is sometimes a, a tough blow to your self-esteem just in general, <laughs> with the emotions that go along with it, that, you know, uh, it takes a while to get over. And until you really get to that point, there's there's that pocket where I'm going to say if I had to estimate it'd be like five to 10 years, you know, the, the fitness trainer or business owner gets to that point, you know, they get to that five year mark. And then if by the 10 year mark, they haven't like opened six million other facilities, then they aren't doing well. And then they're out. Yeah. Um, and that's unfortunate. It's been a fascinating sociology study throughout this pandemic, if you will, of seeing gym owners with with this whole work-life balance, new oh. term that we throw around now, but whereas previous to the pandemic, when we were chasing 400, 500, 600 mm -hmm. members, right. like that was the only possibility and then when that was completely taken away and gym owners experienced life outside of that, right? suddenly we come back and it's, oh, I don't need to just jam as many bodies through. Maybe we can serve a lower population. Maybe we can serve them at a higher level. We can still make money. Mm -hmm. People are willing right. to invest at a higher level provided the value is correct. Right. We can, we can do this profitably with 100 members, right. 150 members, 200 members. And that stress is, is such a, a lower level. It's, it's been incredibly interesting. And so it's, it's fascinating to see someone do it successfully, but who had this kind of in mind years ago right yeah. thinking about these things maybe we're going to franchise maybe we're going to do a bigger location maybe we're going to do x y and z across all of these different states but but once we take a step back and explore is that what i really want right. and the answer is not always yes for some it is and that's fine too oh yeah because they but the strategies the tactics mm -hmm. the actions that go into doing so are vastly different Yes. Whoa, completely different. And it, for me, um, it's much more of an ease of business to uh, keep it how we have it now. You know, that smaller scale, the smaller like uh, numbers, everything. It's something manageable. Yes. I, I read an interesting book recently about negotiation and it, oh, yeah. the, the, the takeaway of the book was the person who 
needs the deal less always has more leverage mm-hmm. always, yeah. that seems very applicable to this mm-hmm. it's i don't need 200 members or the business is going to shut down right we're going to be okay i can pick and choose i can hire as i see fit i can accept or not accept clients and it's not going to break us at the end of the day right. and that's a really really advantageous position to be in from a business owner exactly i teach my kids that all the time somebody's got leverage somebody doesn't <laughs> yeah well danielle as we kind of approach the end of our time here i think this has been a fascinating conversation i would love to revisit this in 2022 and kind of see how things have evolved for you. But for people looking to learn a little bit more about what you do about the, what the business is about, where can they find that information online? Sure. Um, you, they can go to our website, www.intelligentfitnesspt.com. We also have a Facebook page and an Instagram page. Intelligent Fitness PT is our Instagram handle and um, Intelligent Fitness LLC is our Facebook page. Fantastic. Well, Danielle, like I said, I appreciate your time. I think you guys have something special going on over there. It'll be interesting to see how that evolves for you personally, how that evolves for your family down the line and and what that what that business will will look like five or ten years from now, maybe vastly different. It may be the same. We right? don't really know. Who knows? <laughs> but I thank you for your time. Thanks. I can't Jeff. wait to talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Awesome. And so to everyone who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like, hit subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your fitness business model and how you operate within our arena, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.